want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go.
like uh, <laughs> what music we hear. We kicked off episode 104 and the last episode in season four mm. with Yawning Earth yes. from Troy, New York with the song Life Inside the Biosphere. Nice. And this is off of the Profiteers release on Black Spark Records. That's right. Yeah. And then after that, we heard another Troy, New York band, Ice Queen, which is a one-man project. And we heard the song Hypothermia. Very nice. Yes. So, on this day in history, in 1994, modern rock icon Kurt Cobain dies by suicide. Well, dies. We don't really know how. On this day? On this day, April 5th. Hmm. His body was discovered inside his home in Seattle, Washington, three days after... I'm sorry, three days later by Gary Smith, an electrician who mm. was installing a security system in the suburban house. That's what I was thinking. Was, um, I, thought, I thought he died on April 8th, but he, I guess he was found on April 8th, right? Correct. Yeah. So you'll have to be a one-upper another time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We've watched some uh, really interesting documentaries on... Uh, the theories behind what happened to him. Mm -hmm. My favorite one that was, I think we've mentioned it on here before. Um, but and was, we did a trivia question on it too, yeah, didn't we? Yeah. Was the the mentors documentary where El Duce says that Courtney Love approached him. Tried to, to hire him. To hire him, yeah. Yeah. To, to off Kurt. It's funny. Who knows? I know. It's, yeah, that's all, the whole thing's a crazy story. It is. Um, speaking of crazy stories, mm. I came across uh, a f an interesting article okay. about um, Cannibal Corpse singer Corpse Grinder. Yeah. Talking about hanging out with Cher, who told him, I was metal before you were even born. Really? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, he was once invited to play a birthday bash for Cher's son. Huh. Um, uh, uh, Elijah Blue Allman, the lead singer of the industrial metal band Deadsy. I don't know who they are, do you? Um, I don't know. Um, as Corpse Grinder told it, Cher's son, Elijah, who is in the band Deadsy, is a big Cannibal Corpse fan, and maybe 15 or 20 years ago, he wanted us to come out to L.A. and play his birthday party at the Viper Room. His birthday is two days after mine, so my wife and I went out a few days earlier. Let's just fly out there, hang out a few days, and we'll play the show. Hmm. The singer added the day before the show... Elijah invited um, them up to Cher's house. When we got there, there, she wasn't there. She was out shopping. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, Cher's out shopping. But I didn't know that she had come back. I was talking to Elijah, and my wife starts hitting me on the arm. <laughs> I go, what? And she says, Cher, Cher. <laughs> um, 
And it was at that point, Corpse Grinder had the chance to interact with Sharon. Soon found out she was a lot more metal than he thought. She was super nice. We're there and Sharon's making food for us. She came to the show. I apologized to her for having to listen to Cannibal Corpse, but she was like, no, I liked it. And I'm like, come on, Cher, do the metal sign. And she goes, honey, I was metal before you were born. (laughs) And he said, damn, I just got owned by Cher. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah. Side side note, we call our washer, uh, what, what do we call it? Corpse washer? Clothes grinder. No, clothes grinder. Yeah. 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 Because it, so- it sounds like it's grinding our clothes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it does. It's, it's relentless. <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I cut you off. I didn't know that Cher had, I didn't know any of that about Cher's son. I, don't, no. I guess I didn't even know she had a son. Yeah. I don't know a lot about Cher. No. She does Just, a good job of keeping on the limelight, I it, think. Yeah. Just that she was metal before Jorge Fisher was even alive. Before all of us were alive. Yeah. Yep. All right. You want to play some tunes? Uh, I do. I do. And I need to give this a proper introduction. Yes, you do. So get your pointing finger out. All right. So we've been talking to Jason Ventura, the founder of the band Vaughn, which is considered by many the first black metal band from the u.s um jason has a lot to say about this and a lot of other things and hopefully we can talk to him on the podcast soon mm-hmm. um we were lucky enough to get the von dark gods birth of the architects physical copy which includes a 12 inch booklet which is like a album vinyl album size with uh multi pages of really cool artwork that was all done by jason this is a limited edition with only 500 copies. There's a few left, I believe. We will link to his Bandcamp page in our show notes. Um, but we are going to hear the song Architects of Death. Great introduction. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, then we're going to go into Ungfell, a black metal band from Switzerland. We're going to play a song off of their third album release, which is uh, dropping on the 30th of April. And the song we're going to play is Typhel's Antlets. Nice.
All right, I'm going to give you a choice. Okay. Do you want a multi-part philosophical question that or, you'll probably struggle with the answer? Oh, that sounds fun. Okay. <laughs> Appealing. <laughs> or, or would you like to explore a music genre that um, is interesting that I, I know we haven't discussed on the show? Um. Number two, Alex. Number two? Yeah. All right. Do you know what the term outsider music refers to? Well, don't we live in it? <laughs> I, I guess we do in a way, but it's not... By the definition, it's not... It's not that. Okay. What's the definition? So the definition... And this is a, a big article and a big subject... But I guess we can try to break it down to simplify it. Um, if people want to explore it on their own, if they don't know what it is, they can. Uh, so outsider music is music created by self-taught or naive musicians. The term is usually applied to musicians from outside the music establishment who exhibit childlike qualities and especially those who suffer from intellectual disabilities. Um, then it says the term was popularized in the 1990s by journalist and WFMU DJ Erwin Chessid. Uh, outsider musicians often overlap with lo-fi artists since their work is rarely captured in professional recording studios. Examples include Daniel Johnson, Wesley Willis, who we know, uh, Jan Deck, who uh, each became the subjects of documentary films in the 2000s. We saw a documentary on Wesley Willis that wasn't very well done, but, no. but it was interesting. Yeah, the content was interesting. Yeah. Um, Wesley passed away, sadly, um, but he did, and I wish I went, but he did come here. He played at the Bug Jar. Oh my God, when? I think in the 90s. I wish I would have seen it. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of... I think what I find interesting about this is that uh, these people are creating music from their own perspective that isn't... They're not trained. Yes. They're not educated or, you know in music theory exactly yeah yeah and it's completely genuine and completely what they feel whether it's good or not it's like completely created by what their soul yeah exactly yeah yeah but a lot of um like well-known artists cite different uh outsider music as like big inspirations for their music that is so incredible yeah like um there's one i won't go into it too far but this band the shags was uh if i can briefly read it i think it was one of their fathers it was it was a three-person group of female like uh, kids, teenagers, 
they made the studio album that I think one of their fathers it's not saying it right here I watched uh, like a little video on this too but I think one of the one of the fathers oh yeah 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 here it is the shags were formed by dot Betty and Helen in 1968 on the insistence of their father Austin Wigan who believed that his mother had predicted the band's rise to stardom <laughs> Their only studio album, Philosophy of the World, was released in 1969. Uh, it failed to garner attention, though the Shags continued to exist as a local popular live act. Um, they disbanded in 1975 after the death of Austin. But, and I've listened to some of this, and it's... I, I like the creative aspect of it, but and I guess the band themselves are like really like they cringe at the thought of this album. Really? Like they're not proud of it at all. But um like there's a lot of bands that uh like cited this as a um inspiration for some of the stuff they did, like Frank Zappa, for example. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I was aware of the style of music, like Wesley Willis and... Or the people, like, behind it. Yeah. But you never knew it was, like, a sub-genre. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know it was. Uh, it had a term, and yeah, it was such a, a broad category. There's, like, a lot online about it. There was a YouTube video I saw that had... They outlined, I think, 12 artists of outsider music, and... um. Most of it I hadn't heard of, but I don't know. I thought it was interesting, and I that's one of the things I like about there's certain music that that I really love that the 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 musicians obviously have trouble playing their instruments, but their creativity kind of balances out. Yeah, yeah, it overshadows the that part of it yeah and they make really cool stuff i watched a really cool documentary on youtube um a couple years ago about children with learning disabilities mm -hmm. autism um they're very music like musical yeah um and a lot of those kids love playing instruments even if they're not formally trained mm-hmm um, and it was kind of along the lines of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Yeah. What I think we were watching something recently on uh, that. I think it was this weekend about how um, people with like uh, mental degenerative disorders. Oh, yeah, how they can't remember their families, but yeah. they can remember how to play a song they learned on the piano yeah, 50 years ago. exactly. Yeah. That's that's incredible. It, yeah. It really, like, drives home that music really is, like, a universal language. Mm -hmm. Like, anyone can understand it. Yeah. Feel it. Yeah. Interpret it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well... So. What is grandma interpreting for us this week? All right. Well, the, the philosophical question that you avoided this week, it's probably coming next week. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs>
grandma had some substance in her pantry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds offensive, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that was substance from the Troy, Albany area of New York. And that was coming off of their 1989 demo, and we heard the song Suppressed. And I believe that is about all they put out. But their Metal Archives page does say that they were originally called Hard Times, which is a great Charles Bronson movie. Um, so Substance went on to, it says the members of Substance went on to play in All Fall Down, Cutthroat, and Stigmata. Interesting. I don't know any of those bands. I don't either. I do know of a Cutthroat, but I don't think it's from... The same. New York, yeah. Yeah. All right, shifting gears to something completely random. Okay. Do you know what a backronym is? Have you heard of this? No. No? Would you like to know? No. No. Just kidding. You don't care. (laughs) (laughs) No one cares. So a backronym is an acronym that is formed from a word that existed prior to the invention of the backronym. Unlike a typical acronym in which a new word is constructed from a phrase, the phrase corresponding to the backronym is selected to fit an already existing word. Can I have an example, please? Does any of that make sense? No. All right. All right. An example is um, is biodiversity serving our nation um, or bison. So it's it's made after the fact to fit. Oh. Instead of the reverse of that, which would be the acronym. That's huh. fascinating, isn't it? Interesting. All right. Never would have thought about that. I just I just happened to cross that and thought I'd share it with you. <laughs> we'll probably never think about it again. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> um, I have a serious question. Okay. Who decided how to spell phlegm? I don't know. I don't know. Like, why couldn't it be F-L-E-M? I don't know. And if you wanted to make it challenging, put like an extra M at the end of it. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. But P-H-L-E-G-M. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting spelling. Like, who got fancy with that and why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. You should do some research on that. And then report back to me. Uh, I might <laughs> <laughs> reach out to Severed Records uh-huh. and ask why phlegm is spelled that way. Okay. <laughs> All right. Is that our segue into yeah. the next group of songs? Clever, huh? Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So first up, we're going to hear Phlegm Lord, which is a brutal death metal band from Tennessee. And we're going to hear the song Found in a Septic Tank, and that is off of Entrenched and excremental fumes of the rotting, and that is on Severed Records. And then we are going to go into Synoth, and this is a reissue from the 1995 album Research um, on Hessian Firm, and the song we're going to play is All My Thoughts.
good stuff there. I wanted yeah. to say thank you to Barrett from Severed Records and Flemlord. And also thanks to Nick from Hessian Firm and Sinoth. I have an uncommon question. You do? Yeah. All right. What event in your life would go viral if you had captured it on video? <laughs> um, hmm. I have a few, a few things come to mind, but I'm going to say, and this was just silly, but I feel like I could see this being like me being laughed at on YouTube or okay. somewhere online. Um, this happened a couple times, but the one time that I remember specifically was we went out, met your family out, or part of your family out to eat for dinner. And we went in and um, I had like these pants on that had Velcro on them. <laughs> and there was a, <laughs> uh, like on the back near the butt, there was a, there was some women's pink underwear were stuck to the Velcro. I think that time they were black. They were black? Yeah, the pink was when we were walking in our new neighborhood for the first oh. time and everyone was giving you dirty looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah, I miss those pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, I don't know, not not a huge moment in my life, but uh, that's I think good for uh, to be laughed at on video would would be. I wish I would have captured you um, after I ripped your balls, mm. and you went running down the hallway, mm -hmm. <laughs> yelling, "You ripped my balls!" You did. <laughs> um, but castrated me. The <laughs> first thing that came to mind when I read this <laughs> is our family dive bombing um, the stage at our wedding. The stage. Uh, the dance floor, I guess yeah, it was. Not, yeah. not a stage. Because um, we had a, <laughs> we had a pinata. Yeah. And it kind of, it was a joke at first, mm. the pinata. Yeah. Like, it was a you joke. were like, we went to register for um, the wedding mm -hmm. and you were like, I don't get to scan anything. And I'm like, all right, fine. Here's a scanner. <laughs> And you scanned a stupid, ugly fish pinata. Yeah. It and didn't turn out to be too stupid, did it? <laughs> and somebody <laughs> thought it was hilarious and actually got it. Yeah. So we had to incorporate it somehow. Yeah. So we filled it full of like sex toys yeah. and condoms yeah. and... Yeah. Um, and part of, I think part of my family was un uncomfortable about that, which made it even more amusing. Your entire family was uncomfortable <laughs> about it until it actually happened. Yeah. And then it was like the greatest thing yeah. ever. Yeah. Everyone was like fighting over who got what. Yeah. Wearing glasses with a dick nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've always been very unconventional. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And of course the the infamous Achilles Street trip. I I would have yeah, loved yeah. You, to archive that well, one. I hear about that more than anything in my life. I know I it's fantastic. You it bring so it up great. like several times a week. 
Yeah, well, because your heel will it never, happened. ever hit the back of your head <laughs> ever again. <laughs> this happened five years ago, and I still hear about it like several times a week. <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's wrap this up. All right, ending 104 with Sulfurous from Denmark with the title track Encircling Darkness off of their March 15th release. Then after that, we're going to hear some black metal from Journey into Darkness with the song To Be Human is to Be Inhuman. And then, lastly, we're going to hear the band Painfield with the song Shattered World, and this has Colin from Forced Entry on drums, and they are working on a full-length album that is going to be out soon. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, don't be an asshole, and don't feed your anions after midnight.
What's up, everybody? This is Ross Dolan from Immolation, and you're listening to Grim Dystopian Podcast. <laughs> 